back for another episode. I got my man Jason Trombley back again from the Strength Guys, and we are going to do a 20... Oh, we froze. Froze, sir? It's nice to be here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, doing a 2019 year in review, in review, do you have headphones around just in case we need you to wear them? Uh, yes, I do. Okay, good. Sometimes we have feedback and you might need to. So far, okay. so good. So far, so good. So we're going to do a 2019 recap. It's been a bit of a wild one. Um, I'm not sure if people can see my screen. I don't think they can. If there is, they're going to have all the results of my picks anyways. But let's, we got some year-end awards we want to talk about. And um, I'll give mine. You can give yours. And uh, and we'll just take it from there, man. We'll, take, we'll talk about some highlights. Now, you have to be gone by 7 p.m.? Uh, yes, sir. Okay, that's plenty of time. We should be good. We should be good, my dear friend. So let's kick this off. Let's talk about the most improved lifters. You want to start with the men or the women? Ah, uh, ladies first, my friend. We're going to be gentlemen. For myself. I believe the most improved lifter, and I'm just looking at the top end. Okay, I don't want people hitting me up saying, hey, man, so-and-so went from rank 75th to rank 47th. It's, well, probably, but I'm staying myself. You can do it however you want with the top end. And what I've seen on the top end amongst the elite, the most improved lifter I can see is Angelina Ilovakova from Russia, who last November hit a 470 kilo total. This November, hit a 543.5 kilo total at the European Championship, which obviously won her the European Championship. Oh, and by the way, broke the 72 kilo open world record previously held by Kimberly Walford. For me, she went from being an also-ran who might make the national team, hit the international circuit, but she's not going to do nothing. She's not going to ruffle any feathers to literally putting together the best performance we'd ever seen in the 72-kilo class. Um, I mean, that's an all-in-one-quick-short year. I mean, even her progress from, from the World Championships in Sweden just a few short months ago, um, it's, been, it's been a massive leaps and bounds what she's yeah. going to do in 2020? I mean, anybody's guess at this point. But if she continues this kind of pacing, I mean, we're talking some historic rounds being covered. Yeah. She is my pick for the most improved on the international scene. Who you got for the women? There's no arguing with, with you there. Uh, she's added 73 and a half kilos to her total since last November. Uh, my pick is Olavikova as well. I think uh, when we're looking at the development of these top-level, genetically gifted, hard-working lifters, we typically see that curve play out over the course of two to three years, where if someone were to add 73 and a half kilos to their total in three years, you'd say, that person's making progress. They're doing fantastic in their training. But with Angelina, she managed to do that in 12 months. Um, and there's it's hard to argue against that, but... Honorable mention to Leah Bevel, who of France, who hit a 44 kilo PR 
and set the new total world record in the 63 kilo category. Uh, and also Jessica Bittner of Canada, who made a 32 and a half kilo improvement on when we last saw her in 2018, in both her last competition in 2019. Uh, so those were the, the names for me that really stood out on the most improved side for the women this year. No argument there, sir. Uh, Leah Babois just exploding onto the scene in 2019. Um, again, another individual. She's coming out of France. And previously in 2018, I, I had known her, you know, maybe on a results page. 2019 at the World Championships, breaking IPF open world records, taking a bronze medal, winning the European Championships in the Open later on that same year. And then um, breaking the, officially breaking the open world record for total. And now is the front runner going into the 2020 World Championships. All eyes on Leah Babois. So yeah, huge games from 2018. Their 2019s look nothing like their 2018s. Yeah. Literally from nobody on nobody's radar to the number one, the person to beat breaking historic performances the very next year. I mean, yeah. that, it's massive. Um, for the men's, I'm going to take my man, Emil Norland. Last November, he had an 830 kilo total. Junior, he was in the juniors, um, still in the juniors this year. This year, a year later, winning the Open European Championship, 887.5 kilo Total, that's a 57 and a half kilo jump. He also won the junior world championships. And so he's collecting open championships, junior championships. And with his rate of adaptation, he's still a junior. He still is a junior as we speak. He's, he's, he's young, he's hungry, and he's expanding quickly. He looks like one of those guys when it comes to the 2020. You know, he has all types of the it factor all over him. You know, he's got, he, he reeks of confidence when he hits the platform. Um, definitely somebody that I think we should watch out for. Before myself, in terms of improved, he's another gentleman who last year wasn't really on my radar. Might see his name on some result pages, but wasn't popping out. In 2019, he is all over everybody's radar. If he's not on your radar, you sleep. You don't want to get caught sleeping. Who do you got, sir? Yeah, and, and we talked about him in our uh, European Championship review show. And he was my MVP and my most approved the tournament for that. Uh, but I'm going to go with the USA lifter, uh, Austin Perkins, the 74-kilo junior best lifter uh, and 74-kilo junior collegiate world champion. Uh, since we last saw him in 2018, he has added 69 kilos to his total. Uh, now sitting at uh, 757 and a half kilo total. Oh, wow. What I found even more impressive, Austin competes both in raw and equipped lifting, uh, but he's only missed two lifts in his entire raw powerlifting career thus far. Uh, so he's a model of consistency. He shows up, he executes, and he's been getting better at a very quick pace. Um, I want to give honorable mention to Michael C.A. here. Uh, who was on pace for who knows. Uh, maybe he would have been my pick as most improved. Um, however, he had to withdraw from the competitions, so we don't yet know where his deadlift is. Uh, and I'm referring to Raw Nationals for our lifters who are uh, aware of what happened at that competition. 
Michael had to drop out uh, due to some sort of ailment. But leading up to that, Michael had had a 287.5 kilo squat, which was a 20 kilo uh, improvement on his squat compared to when we last saw him in 2018, and a 10.5 kilo bench PR, where I believe he finished at 198 kilos on that lift. So uh, Michael is another lifter who's coming fast, as is uh, Joey Flex product, Jonathan Paco in the 93 kilo division, who we'll be talking about a little bit later, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Look, at those 74 kilo boys, eat, like, you, you can throw a Ricky Cho in there too. Like, in, last year, 20, 2018, Ricky Cho, it's Michael C, actually, it's pronounced C. Michael okay. C um, and Austin Perkins, all those fellas, they're all juniors, and we didn't know, I didn't know who they were in 2018. Yeah, and I, I, obviously, I follow my power team. 2019, I am all over those fellas, and the gains they hit, Ricky himself was saying, what his old um, total was and what his total now. These fellas from going in the late 600s to deep into the 700s, and like you said, Austin Perkins, this this young man is 20 years old, and he doesn't cut any weight to fill in the 74-kilo class. He still has, like, size to grow, uh, maturity to grow. I mean, you take a look at most dudes when they're 20, and most dudes when they're, you know, 25, for instance, I mean, they, they turn from boys to men. And these dudes are already monsters this early in the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you could, you could you could pick almost any one of those seventy-four kilo guys and, and not be wrong in terms of uh, the most improved for sure. You never want to say uh, something's impossible, but developmentally speaking, if you're not uh, good out of the gate, that trust that's the hardest lift to take from middle of the pack to elite. Mm-hmm. And often, bench press. I could see it progressing and moving competition to competition. His squat and deadlift are already world class. So that only furthers my belief in his uh, potential and also my pick of Austin Perkins as most improved lifter. You know, his nickname is the future. Not yet. <laughs> not, his nickname is not yet. <laughs> that's, that's his new nickname. Not yet. Not yet. So... So his nick his nickname around around next year will be soon, soon, and then his nickname in twenty twenty one will be shortly, shortly, <laughs> and we'll get there, and then eventually he'll be the present. So there's the most improved. Next, let's take a look at who we believe the person to watch is for twenty twenty, and for me it's going to be people. Um, and it's a lot because I think most improved and people to watch usually goes hand in hand. It's almost in that it's it's a pretty seamless segue. At least it is for my picks. Now, having said that, I'll go first. And once again, it's our girl Angelina from Russia is one of them. I'm gonna have a few here because I want to discuss because there's, there's a few people I think you'd be sleeping on if you don't if you're not paying attention. But you gotta watch out for Angelina. We already went through her rate of adaptation. Her progress is staggering. And she's already at the forefront of the 72 kilo class, which has always been talent rich. It's not exactly one of these divisions that isn't very deep with talent. Um, it's, it's. I mean, not to get ahead of myself in terms of the showdowns. Like when we look back at 2019, but definitely one of the biggest showdowns was at the 2019 World 72s. So Angelina is definitely one of the people to watch also, Leah Babois, who we spoke about from Russia, or sorry, from France. 
Leah also breaking the open world record. And you'd be crazy. Look at those are two women who have the open world records going into the 2020 season and especially going into the 2020 worlds. Of course, you better watch out for those girls. They went from contenders to now front runners walking into the world championships. But I would also like to add U.S. 57 kilo champ Chrissy Parachi. Her, her to add that, she's jumped from 2018 to 2019, snagging the U.S. Raw Nationals. Definitely in this world, the hardest Raw Nationals that you're going to compete in. It's going to be U.S. Raw Nationals across the board. Established herself as the premier 57 representing the U.S. Going to, into the world championships, for sure she's going to be somebody that everyone else has to watch out for. Um, and can't wait to see her do battle, especially with Candice Marie T. Also, 66 kilo champ. Rodrigo Manzo, Rodrigo the man Manzo, took the 66 kilo title and will be representing the U.S. and Belarus. Another man you want to watch out for. And I just put, very similar to the most improved, I got 74s, period. Because you got you take your pick. Whether you got to keep your eye out for Cho, C, and Perkins. As long as Cho stays 74, my man's getting big and I see him flirting with the idea of an 83. But if he stays 74, if he goes into 83, it's probably going to be a hot minute before he does anything. Not Probably not in 2020 because you got to fill out the weight class, and that is a huge amount of filling out for a dude. I mean, he's a big dude, but you see how big and jacked these 83s are. Take a look at Russell Orhe. These guys are freaking jacked. Um, but, yeah, so all the 74s, whether it's C. Cho and Perkins, you got you got to watch out for all these fellas. Um, whether... Whoever's going to be representing the juniors of the world, and for sure, U.S. Raw Nationals 2020. That's who I have in terms of who I believe everybody's got to watch out for in 2020. People to watch. Who, who made your list, sir? Well, you mentioned Christy Karachi there. Uh, so proud of her and so happy for her. I wish her all the best in her world here. I'm right there with you. She's going to be an interesting contender in that 57 kilo category. Um, we, we began by talking about a lot of Koba and the 72 kilo class, but I think we can't gloss over that Ana Rosa, also Castellane of Brazil, also had a massive performance. She posted 540 and a half kilos and actually helped the total world record going into the European Championship when Angelina came up and furthered it by three kilos. So Anna's going to be right in the mix. Of course, we want to see what the defending champion, Kim Walford, is going to do. And we want to see what Jessica Bittner is going to put together. Very genetically gifted and hardworking lifter here from Canada. So I think that weight class is going to be really exciting. Um, personally, I'm very excited to see what Carola Gara of Italy, the defending 63-kilo women's world champion in that division, is going to bring the Worlds because we haven't seen her compete recently. We've seen Stan, we've seen Leah, but we haven't seen the progress that she's made as well. Uh, so really curious to see how this is going to pan out at Worlds. Yeah, you're right. I mean, she hit what she hit at the in Sweden at the yeah. IPF World Championships, and Gara obviously won the 63 kilo World Championships. Since then, and she defeated Leah and Sam to do so. Yeah. Since then, Sam went ahead. Leah went ahead, and Gara, I believe, stayed in equipment, so we don't really know where she's at in the classic. And she might be telling herself, yeah, I got you. I got you. Sam bested White of the Day with 5'11". 
I don't need the 503. Then Leah came and bested that into 514. I got you. But you don't know what I got in my back pocket. So you're 100% right. Even though she is the defending world champion, to an extent, because of what these other young ladies have done, it's almost like it's, there's more curiosity around her. It's almost yeah. like she's playing a little bit of catch-up. Even if not literally, because God knows what she's moving in the gym, on the platform, we don't know. It's all just potential until we yeah. hit the platform. I got a feeling, one thing's for sure, whether it's the 72s or the 63s, it is super tight. You're 100% right. When you mention the 72s, we can't forget Anna on the Pan American Championship, which is an international competition, international judging. We all know how tough it can get when it's international judging. Broke the IPF 72 kilo world record total. Bested what Kimberly Walford did earlier that same year as well. Proving that she's capable of putting together a total to win at the world level. Angelina has proven she's capable of putting together a total to win at the international level at the World Championships. Obviously, Kimberly Walford has proven time and time again she's capable. Oh, and by the way, Jessica Bittner, who's also won the Junior World Championships. I mean, look what we're talking here. And then throw in Isabella Val Weisberg, who breaks world records herself. So any one of these girls is, is full well capable of winning the World Championship. It is seriously neck and neck. We're not going to get into a whole World Championship preview show here, but um, yeah, man, I mean, I think... I think you're 100% right. You could pick pretty much any one of them and say this is the person to watch. Um, I'm just picking the front runners who are the current world record holders, but you could literally move one out and put another piece in and you wouldn't be wrong because they might be the person to watch going in there. Uh, did, you give, did you give your gentleman? Uh, no. So on the men's side, I think most recent – uh, very curious to see what Brett Gibbs is going to bring to the platform in Sheffield. Uh, his 862.5 kilo total weighing oh. at kilos body weight in training. Yeah. Uh, so he smacked this, the current world record. Uh, and on IPF points, that makes it a very interesting competition between uh, the front runners of that tournament. So uh, Brett Gibbs is, is going to be one. Uh, Jonathan Keiko is going to be another. The team makes his international debut at the World Championship. And uh, I'm also going to have to say Neil Nolan of Sweden, the uh, defending European champion. Mm. Uh, see what he's going to bring into the uh, World Championship and players is there. Um, I, I 100%. I agree. In terms of what Brent Gibbs did, I mean, he, he's weighing in at 83 kilo. And I'm, I mean, I can only believe he's going to wait. I know it's not official. I mean, nothing, it's not quite the same when you do it in the gym. But 862.5? And, and yeah. the depth on the squat looked good. The pause on the bench was legit. It wasn't a touch and go. I mean, if he can bring that, he doesn't even need to bring all of that. And Russell's got to be like, oh, damn. I cannot miss any squats. You know, this is this him and Brett right now... He, he just, I believe, 833 was what Russell put in his current world record. That's almost 30 kilo over the world record. That's ridiculous. Not often do you see someone, usually when someone breaks a world record, it's by a kilo here, a kilo there. Potentially 30 kilo jump, and he has plenty of room until March. Plenty of time left to grow on that. Insane. Now, 
It happened in the gym. I get it. Believe me. There's a reason why when you fly, time zone change, you know, it's not to your timing when you want to squat, when you want to bench. It's yeah. to, you know, there's set time. It, there's a difference. I got you. But it looks like, oh, my God, 862 and a half. I never thought I would see the day. Like, that is absolutely ridiculous for an 83-kilo lifter to do. So, well, that, yeah. that's more than the 93-kilo world record currently. Yeah. No, that rivals that rivals even the unofficial 93-kilo world record. I mean, he could be up there swinging with Jonathan Kacom. You know, yeah. it's, it's insane. Um, yeah. We're going to have to see. The SPD Invitational, we're not going to, again, we're not going to do a preview show for that one either just yet. But it, it, it definitely, Brett is somebody to watch. I agree, sir. Um, let's let's move ahead. Let's take a look at what has already come to pass. And I think talking about we were looking ahead, let's look back. Who do you believe were some breakthrough stars? I'll go first, then you toss yours out there. Okay. In terms of star, when I think of star, I'm thinking winning, but also star power for myself. And I believe Russell Orhe, who was already a star, but he wasn't a world champion until 2019. And with what Brett had done in 2018, being the heaviest individual in the IPF ever to do a 10 times body weight total, um, and he looked so dominant and strong, it looked like Russell might be relegated to an also-ran position, where perhaps his success on the platform wouldn't live up to a star prior outside of even though watching it, you can tell yourself, man, if a dude that popular, smile like that, bodied up like that, ever won an IPF title, my God, would people eat it up all over Instagram, YouTube, a whole lot. It would be a boom goes a dynamite situation. This guy knows how to squeeze every last drop out of that social media. And the performance he put together in Sweden, in, in, in not only winning the title, but unseating a reputable champion, a returning champion like Brett, so the lineage was passed properly, not just you showed up, the returning champ wasn't there, whatever, there was a proper lineage. And it's a guy like Brett who he himself has an element of star power to him. So it helped catapult, I believe, Russell to that upper atmosphere in terms of powerlifting. Now he's got the star power. Now he's got the accomplishment of being an IPF world champion. You can never take that away from somebody once they become IPF world champion. That's it. That's on your resume for here on out. You know, until the day you die. So for me, for Russell, he broke through to the other side on that. He reached a new level of star power um, on the men's side. Who do you have? And, and let me just say real quick, though, somebody that I want to give a shout out in terms of breakthrough performance would be Julius Maddox, who the bench only in the untested um, posted up the biggest bench press in history. We had never seen a bench press like this before. 337.5 kilo, 742.5 pounds. Bench press. Bench press, my friend. Not a fucking deadlift, and that'd be a hell of a deadlift. This dude had that hovering over his face and chest. So, um, and his story is phenomenal story. In terms of star power, doesn't quite have the glitter that Russell Lurie has on social media, but... He goes um, to public schools doing public speaking and within the community does tons of public appearances and charity events, etc. So um, he does carry a little cloud himself as well. And his social media is blown up quite a bit too. So there on the men's, who do you got, sir? 
So for Breakthrough Star, I had to pick uh, another lifter uh, from Team Flex that broke through. Uh, but my honorable mention is going to be Russell Orgy for this category. And I'm actually going to give the Breakthrough Star of 2019 to Jonathan Keiko. Oh, wow. 2017 and 2018 Raw Nationals, Jonathan Keiko placed in fourth place. This year's Raw Nationals, he dominated, and he ran away with it. He has added 51 kilos to his total in 2019, and now sits as the front runner and the favorite for the World Championship upcoming in Belarus. So I have to pick Jonathan Keiko. Uh, we had a few close battles uh, between him and one of uh, Ben and I's lifters, Sean Moser, uh, at Nationals and Arnold Classics, and then Keiko just took off. And now he's the uh, national champion, and he's getting ready for his first world championship. So uh, congratulations to Jonathan on a truly remarkable year. Um, he doesn't miss many lifts. He's consistent. He's uh, he's an honorable champion, and uh, excited to see what he'll do in Belarus next year. Yeah. No, you know what? Jonathan's not a bad pick at all. Um, absolutely a beast lately in the 93-kilo class. He really was. He was a guy who was consistent and he was amongst the elite but he was consistently finishing off that platform just didn't quite have on the platform and went from off the platform to unofficially breaking the ipf world record and posting other performance we've never seen so that's a huge market that i mean 100 that's a breakthrough performance um hopefully he gets that if he goes to the world championships now the rest of the world's watching you put an ipf world title to your name i mean it's a whole nother level so maybe yeah. 2020, the star will continue to rise. For the women's, I have for breakthrough star, another Joey Flex lifter, Amanda Lawrence, whom I believe in, she had all types of potential in 2019. I had her pegged as my person to watch, or sorry, in 2018. I had her pegged as my person to watch in the upcoming year. And she has obviously lived up to all the different hypes. Any hype, like the type of hype that she built in terms of her previous performances, how young she was, it was just a matter of when. Would it be too soon? Because she was very young. And yeah. going into Sweden was not overwhelmed by the moment. And she got caught up in one of the best showdowns. I mean, her and Daniela Mello. Yeah. Right back and forth, tossing back and forth world records right up to the very last deadlift. I mean, it was it was a... That, that was the type of showdown that you rarely see at that kind of level... And it lived up, and it lived up in spades, and and sometimes people get overwhelmed, and she stepped up. Um, and in terms of actual star power, it feels like everybody and their mother knows who Amanda Lawrence is now. And and I mean, you take a look at her Instagram and, and what's happened to her. I mean, it's not just all about that. It's got to be performance, but if I'm talking star power as well. She has a bit of an it factor as well, just like a Russell Orhe, where people have just gravitated towards Amanda Lawrence. And, uh, you know, she's become one of those mainstream, if we got that, within the powerlifting community. So now she has the star power as well as the IPF title. She's doing things nobody's ever seen done. Um, you know, she's doing things that we never thought we'd see 84s do. And just like Russell Orgy has Brett Gibbs, and you need a rival. Otherwise, why are we watching you? She's got Daniela Mello. And, um, and and they went toe-to-toe in Sweden and put together one of the best showdowns you could ask for. So she has that, which helps her star power rise. Because if you're running a dynasty and nobody's really against you, pretty boring stuff. 
and it's a, and it's a lot harder to have people tune in and actually watch you perform. Um, who do you got, my friend? So I wanted to pick uh, a lifter from Italy, Italy's first ever women's open world champion, uh, Corolla Garo. Her and her 503 kilo total uh, in Helsingborg in June uh, were enough to secure the world record. And the Italian Federation, uh, what I believe is their first and only uh, Raw World Championship. I think that's significant on numerous fronts because, uh, as I mentioned on the European Championship Review Show, I had been to uh, an Italian powerlifting national four years ago, and I remember being so impressed by uh, the quality of the lifters and how many lifters there were in Italy for a federation that we weren't seeing on the classic international stage. And so for Corolla to, to break through that, for Italy to show up at Worlds and for Italy to get its first women's world title uh, is enough for me to give her as the uh, breakthrough star of 2019 on the women's side. And of course, uh, honorable mention, as you said, Amanda Lawrence is doing amazing things for the sport. Uh, she's unprecedented. She's squatting unprecedented amounts of weight in that weight class. And then we have uh, the names we've already discussed. We have Leah, Angelina, these rising stars in the division. Yeah, I mean, you know what? 100%, um, Gara, and when you come from a nation that, historically speaking, is not a powerlifting nation, once you get the first world champion and people start getting excited and people locally start seeing you pop up in news, etc., and they go, oh, I didn't, you hear about this girl who won the world championships. You can see what it can do to the federation in terms of inspiration, motivation, people watch and become, that's how I found powerlifting. I was like, I like lifting weights. I don't know if it's ever going to go nowhere. Open up the newspaper. Alex Droltz wins the Canadian Championship for powerlifting. I'm like, oh, powerlifting. Well, here we go. Let me get involved and sign me up. And I reached out to him. Uh, I mean, look at New Zealand and Brett Gibbs, man. Five years ago, New Zealand was not one of these big powerlifting nations. Now they're, they're pumping out. And that whole region is starting to pump people out. So when you have a star emerge from your nation or your region, <coughs> it does help. You know, it, it, it absolutely does. Another note is that uh, when you have a star who breaks through, whether it's on coaching roster for the nation, I think that it's so good for coach development too, because now you're now you're trying to stay in front of everyone else chasing you, and that means you've got to stay healthy, and you've got to continue making progress, and that means that the coach has to continue developing as well. Mm. And I think we've seen that in nations where you've mentioned where, for example, I consider the uh, New Zealand uh, coaching staff to be amongst the best in the world, they've grown with that over time. And uh, hopefully that's the case with Italy and see another uh, European country rising to the top, producing contenders more and more in the coming years. They're going to have to, buddy. I mean, this day and age, you have to adapt or you're going to fall behind. Um, but that's why at least you do have, <coughs> excuse me, with the internet, it'll help. Here's the one thing, though. When you're coming from Italy, and I tried to speak with Gara um, when we were in Sweden, um, and English is not her first language. English is not her second or third, neither. She's got them. So it's tougher. I, you could, these are factors that you wouldn't ordinarily even think about because you take for granted, yeah, we speak English. So any kind of literature, material, reaching out for a coach, so much easier. But when you're from a nation... And you don't, English is not your first language. It, it's very sketchy. 
When you're researching, reading articles, watching YouTube videos, trying to pick up information, and you don't know English, that just cuts you off from like 95% of the material out there. It's insane how much you don't even think about it until you show up at a world championship and you walk around around the hotel. Okay, good. (laughs) All right, good. Until you're in the hotel room and and, in the world championship walking around, you realize, yeah, man, there's there's, there's definitely some language barriers to some of these people. Especially if you're talking about coaching, um, if she's stuck with, I say stuck with, but limited options where it's like, look, I, if you don't speak Italian, it's good luck coaching. How are you going to coach me if you don't speak Italian? So if she doesn't speak English, yeah, she's not reaching out. It's going to be very difficult to reach out to the strength guys, Mike T, Bryce Lewis, whatever coaching outfit you want. Insert Joey Flex. Actually, man, I think my man Joey might be Italian. So who knows? Maybe he's got a little baby. Maybe he wakes up and says, no, no. Okay, help me out here. I got a new client. But still, you get what I'm saying where, um, yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be difficult. So they will have to rise. In Italy, you, you start figuring it out, you know, yeah. and, uh, if you're going to stay up on the class. Um, yeah, and that goes for anybody from all these different nations. Same thing with Russia, although Russia's got a history of strength. So they got a lot of good coaches themselves already in the Eastern Bloc there. Uh, any other notes you want to put, or should we move along, sir? Nothing for that category, no. All right, cool. Let's let's do the biggest upset of 2019. Going into the 2019 year, the classic division had in the IPF had two dynasties. Kimberly Walford had never lost not at a Nationals, not at a World Championships. The sun rises and sets, and Kimberly Walford is a World Champion. That's, that's how it goes. She shows up, she wins. Ray Williams had never lost. Not at a National Championship, not at a World Championship. Never have we seen... I mean, Ray Williams had never tasted defeat. If we were going into the World Championships, and Ray Williams is on the roster... Almost everyone outside could be a battle. Kimberly had herself a hell of a battle, but Ray seemed like a lock. And Jezza Weppa stepped up on the day that he had bum knees, battling through pain in the medal ceremony. He had to take a seat because he's in so much pain. Held himself together, stayed in the pocket, kept the squats, even though his squat went way down. He has squatted over a thousand pounds before. The man's got a, he was actually the first on the international scene to squat over a thousand pounds. Dropped his squat, stayed in the pocket, collected it, and held on at the end when the, in the deadlifts when the rest of the world started charging in saying, okay, Ray's gone. If we're ever going to win the 120 plus kilo title, the super heavyweight title to be the IPF world champion, it's today. And my man had the deadlift slide out of his hands, had to retake it, and held on for the win. Jezza Weppa, after constantly being the bridesmaid and is finally the bride, pulled off the biggest upset of 2019, in my view. Walking into 2019, if you would have told me Jezza was going to be the world champion and Ray Williams would not, that would probably be the one of the most unlikely. So Jezza Weppa is the biggest upset victory that... I can see in 2019, that's for the tested and the untested. Uh, how you feel, sir? Yeah, I'm right there with you, Jezza, for this category. Uh, such an unfortunate pair of events with 
where you get expect and ultimately having to uh, withdraw from the competition. Well, not withdraw, but he wasn't able to register a squat and then had to uh, go to the hospital. So um, it was an unfortunate turn of events. It was a wild competition. As you said, if you were to tell uh, either of us at the start of last year that Jezda was going to emerge as the world champion, I think there would be a lot of surprise looks on our faces. Um, but Jessa pulled it out. As you said, he lifted really well. Uh, once Ray was no longer in the competition, the rest of the field really put on a, a charge, especially Stim Rocks, the Bistonian. Yeah. And it ended up being uh, a very unpredictable uh, and wild ride to the finish line. And Jessa pulled it out. And he's my pick for the biggest upset win. Yeah, right down to the very last deadlift. My man was had to hang on with everything in his life on that last deadlift because the rest of the like Rasim was charging up. Everybody had like if it's if it's gonna happen, it's today. Everybody yeah. knew today I can be the world champion. So everybody's gonna load up the bar for and have that gold medal win in their hands. Not everybody, literally, but you get what I'm saying. And Sim Rass in particular, he had the deadlift in his hands to win it. And had it up and it was moving. I mean, you, that's what you do when you see your opportunity. You're going to go and swing for the fences, especially with what Ray was putting up previously in previous years. You would be telling yourself walking into this championship, well, I am not going to have the winning deadlift in my hands. That's yeah, ridiculous. The fences were like a kilometer away. So yeah. this one, the chance. And it was uh, it was exciting to watch the finish. It made it dramatic, to say the least. And Jezza held on, man. I mean, I think if I remember correctly, it took him two tries to get that last deadlift, and he needed that last deadlift to the win. Took him two tries, and he got it, and um, and it was just enough. And my man, Jezza was hurt. You know, Ray was hurt. So was Jezza. In that interview afterwards, I mean, Jezza was in a lot of pain. Um, So, I mean, sometimes that's what it comes down to in sports. You know, just putting it together when you can Uh, So there you go. Upset victory. I think that was pretty much – I had a feeling that probably be unanimous because that's – that's an easy one. Uh, moving right along, let's talk about who the biggest comebacks in 2019 were. Yeah, I've got to go for uh, my biggest upset win on the women's side. First okay, yeah, sorry. You go ahead. Sorry, sorry. So the situation going into deadlifts at Worlds was that Megan Scanlon had an 18.5-kilo lead uh, over Maria Hattie. And Maria pulled her over and then went up to 190 kilos on her second. Megan pulled her over and then went up to 177.5 kilos on her second. Maria missed her second attempt at 190 on grip, and Megan made her attempt at 177. So Maria ended up going up 7.5 more kilos for her third attempt to 197.5 kilos, and the Team Canada head coaches pulling for the world championship. The Team Canada head coaches decided in an attempt to improve her grip strength, we're going to put wrist straps on uh, Maria for this final lift. So Kevin Weiss and Jeff Butt, our head coaches, uh, wrapped Maria's wrist, and she, she went out there to pull for the world championship. And she, she had just dropped 190 kilos. And it was the fight of her life, but she made it. And she became Canada's first ever uh, women's world champion uh, in the classic division. So uh, biggest upset win, I have to go with Maria. We don't often see that where a lifter can't hold on to a lighter weight. They go up and they make it, especially with everything on the line. 
Uh, so she's got to be my biggest step to that win under those circumstances. Yeah, not only that, did she pull off that win, but she was going against Megan Scanlon on that day when she finished off, and her date finished first because she was deadlifting less. Her total was the greatest 60, sorry, 57 kilo performance we'd ever seen. When Megan totally finished, good. when Megan finished, that was the greatest 57 kilo performance we had ever seen. When Maria loaded that bar, she had the best, the best. She had to defeat the greatest 63 kilo woman we had ever seen. Sorry, I keep saying 63 kilo, 57 kilo woman we had ever seen. That's what, that is an all in as you get. Load the bar, not only for the gold, but the biggest total. I mean, this is by far and away more than anything we, I knew Maria was good. But as the day was progressing, it looked less and less likely to save. And then after the second attempt, when that deadlift came out of her hands, and it came, and it looked like straight up from strength, to say less and less likely is becoming more and more generous. You understand what I'm saying? Unless your last name was T, you're probably thinking, well, Megan Scanlon's probably the world champion right now. So when they say load up the bar heavier, and the only difference, well, I guess we'll put on wrist wraps. It's like, well, listen, SPD wrist wraps sales should be going through the roof after that when it's like improve your deadlift immediately with SPD wrist wraps. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, man, it was was a great come from behind upset victory for sure. Um, And I believe I had Megan Scanlon picked as the winner leading into it. So it was an upset victory both within the competition and leading into it just based off of numbers, nominations, what the projected would have been with Megan. And Megan lived up. It wasn't like Megan had a bad day. It wasn't like she fumbled the ball and that's why Marie became champion. Megan had the best day we'd ever seen. It's just two seconds later, an even better day finished off in what Maria T did. So 100% my man. Um, I like your pick, and I'll echo that pick. So, let's get into uh, the comebacks of 2019. 2018. For the first time... Oh, he froze. Hold on. Okay. Okay. We're good? Yeah, my man. You never froze. You know what? You never freeze for me. I I think I'm only freezing on your side. But, so, 2018... Um, in terms of the comebacks, 2018 was the very first year ever we saw a world champion in the 72-kilo class was not Kimberly Walford. Previously, this was Kimberly Walford territory. The queen is the 72s. She's gone for 2018, coming back in 2019, and just like the year before, when Jen Thompson was coming back and wanted to reclaim her title, she was in her 40s and facing the greatest 63-kilo class we'd ever seen at the IPF World Championships. It was like a straight-up Disney movie. Oh, my God, this grizzly veteran and all these young lions waiting for you. And everyone's thinking, oh, this is going to be... If all the years you pick to come back, I don't think you're going to be able to do it. Going into the 72s in 2019... Kimberly Wolford had a murderer's row. We're talking um, Isabella von Weisenberg, Jessica Bittner, Angel- Angelina. I mean, we, we already went through everybody, but it was just Anna Rosa Castellane. I mean, these are world champions, world record breakers, one through six. Anybody can win it. 
And for Kimberly Walford at 41 years old to come back when everybody's expecting you to no longer have it, pulls the biggest deadlift we've ever seen in, in, in terms of the Masters. I mean, her deadlift is not going nowhere. Loads up the bar and pulls for the win to take it. In my mind's eye, nobody was away and had missed the 2018 for whatever reason and come back, face a murderer's row of competition like that. That was so deep, one through five. I mean, that was they, that competition they had, one through five, was probably the deepest we'd seen, even at the whole 2019 World Championships, regardless of divisions. Men's, and women's. Yeah, like Kim's my pick for biggest comeback as well. I think it's uh, important to note that Kim wasn't going up against squat and bench specialists. Like, she wasn't going up against subtotal uh, competitors. She was going up against Jessica Fittner, who could pull a heck of a lot of weight as well. And uh, that deadlift is just enough to, to keep her on top. Jessica pushed her on the day, gave her all that she could handle. Uh, but Kim was able to load the bar in the end with just enough to win and uh, secured another world championship, which is why she's the uh, greatest of all time on that side of uh, our sport. Got to be. Now, for the men's, I'm going into the untested. Odell Emmanuel, 41 years old. On one knee, has absolutely no cartilage left. I mean, he's grinding through bone on bone. On his other leg, his hamstring completely ruptured and torn right off the bone. So he's in the hospital, one bum knee and one leg, hamstring completely torn. 41 years old. This is a middle-aged man. The doctor's telling him, you will never lift again. He's like, I I was not ready to... If I had decided to quit... It might have been easier. 41 years old, I'd done enough. But it came without me it, me seeing it. It came without me mentally and emotionally preparing. I feel like it was taken away from me. So he went through the depression. And he went through the conversations with his wife. And the doctors are telling him, if you rehab properly, you're going to walk the same. Let alone squatting the kind of weight and benching and deadlifting that you want to do. Odell Emanuel, as a middle-aged man rebuilt from the ground up where he couldn't even walk the same to squatting, to hitting records, and telling his wife and promising his family I've sacrificed, I've been through a lot, big dogs in the untested division if you're a super heavyweight in the untested there is no competition better, bigger than big dogs that's it, it's only the big boys that big dogs, he said I'm going to big, I've never won big dogs before in my life this is the Rocky moment. This is where we end. This is where we close out the show. And everyone else from an outside of you will be watching this saying, when you were in your prime, before destroying both your legs, when you were a young man, you never won big dogs. You never won the big one, period. Now you want to go out with the biggest tournament possible. I mean, it's one of those. And he actually said when he walked in there, um, for the first time ever, his entire family showed up. Talk about pressure. You know, his dad was there, and like his his wife showed up, and it was he knew. It's just the writing was on the wall. Like it or not, I'm gonna go out this time on my own accord. Win, lose, or draw, we're gonna close this book and uh, put together. You know, pro- probably the gutsiest performance you've ever seen. One of the squats he hit literally flew over over a thousand pounds, flew over his head when he missed it. Rattled the hell out of him, went back underneath that bar and hit his third squat. I mean, it was a it was a scary, reckless day. Pieced it together, 
got the win. His dad is crying. His wife is crying. Turned to his wife and said, that's it. We're done. Close the book. I finally won the big one. You know, I was, I just wanted to prove to everybody I could. And, um, you know, now I can, I, I don't have to put myself through this anymore. I have to put my family through it anymore. I can, I can leave on my own accord. And that's really, man, that's, you need that closure sometime in life. So it's a feel good story. It's a comeback story. It's an underdog story. And um, Odell Emmanuel is my pick for the men's comeback. Yeah, it's it's a nice story when you when you hear a veteran like that can go out on top. So mm. uh, what he was able to accomplish is absolutely remarkable. Um, on the the IPF sanction uh, side of the action, biggest comeback on the men's side, I'm going to give to Bryce Lewis in the 105 kilo division. Uh, he had sat out the 2019 World Championship, uh, and it was Eli Burke's turn to uh, go and hear the title for USA this past year. Um, and then Bryce had sat out while watching Ashton and Michael Davis blow up all year. We have Ashton setting a 900-kilo total at 94.4 kilos body weight this past year in the lead-up to Raw Nationals. And then we had Bryce Lewis show up against Michael Davis, Joseph Amendola, and Ashton Ruska in a stacked 105 kilo division like we've never seen it before at Raw Nationals. And he hit a 12 and a half kilo PR, uh, ended the day national champion, qualified himself for Worlds, and uh, showed everyone that, that he was right to take the, take the year away, uh, take care of whatever he needed to in his training and with his health and to uh, come back stronger than ever before. So congratulations to Bryce, and uh, it's great to see him back on the circuit. Yeah, and punching his ticket to the World Championships, no less. And, uh, I mean, there's plenty more battles we had there, but yeah, 100%. Sometimes it's tough, man. It's tough to walk away, if not forever, even a hiatus. A year can be a long time when you're watching from the sidelines. And, uh, and he watched stars That's rise. He watched guys like Astro Ruska enter into the 105s. He knew the battle that was coming to him. So for him to come back, have to battle it out with a phenom like Ashton Ruska to get his ticket punched to A, become the U.S. Raw National Champion, which in and of itself is a phenomenal accomplishment. But just to get to the World Championship, the type of war that he's got to wage. And now that he's at the World Championships, maybe, I don't mean, not looking ahead too far, but Ashton Ruska, I believe, is the number one alternate. And I don't know if I've seen, to my recollection, I can't remember the last time they didn't have to dip into the alternates for one of these world championships. So the probability of poor Bryce having to face off with Ashton, Ashton all over again, it's like, ah, oh, you again. But And there's more guys. The 105 is going to be super stacked. Don't want to get super into that. We'll get lost in the weeds with the details there because we can go through a deep analysis. But, um, yeah, he's... It's a hell of a comeback. Former IPF world champion, now multiple-time U.S. Raw National Champion, and earned the right to once again take another run at being an IPF world champion. And obviously, everyone knows now if you become an IPF world champion, you have the SPD Invitational, winning around the corner and earn yourself a little bit of dough. So the stakes keep increasing. Um, but I like your comeback pick, my friend. Any notes that you want to add to the comeback picks, or should we keep it moving? Keep it moving. All right. Most improved person to watch, breakthrough stars, comeback picks. 
I believe, is there any, before we get into the individual events, best lifters, and then, of course, overall best lifters, was there a category I'm missing? I believe that's it, right? Nope, we got everything. All right, man. Let's break into the individual categories then. We'll yeah. run it just like a powerlifting competition. Start with the squats. For myself, we'll do the women's, ladies first. And for squats, I'm going to take Mariana Gasparian from the untested side. Hit a 4.6 time bodyweight squat. She weighed in 132 pounds. Now, I get it. This is day before weigh-ins, um, so you got plenty of time. Squatted 260 kilo, 573 pounds. It's in wraps, but my God, that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to pull this up. I just want to double check what... Uh, in the U.S. Open, because she's she's competed a couple times. And who's your pick while I pull this up, sir? Yeah, so for me, uh, on the IPF side of the action, again, I have to go with Amanda Lawrence. Uh, when she was absolutely under the gun, you need the squats, 243 kilos squat at world for the world record uh, in a meet where it came down to the very finish with Danielle Moore. And then 250 and a half kilos at nationals to set an unofficial world record and further her own uh, grasp on the U.S. national record. Um, and I think it was, it was a remarkable year for, for the squat um, on the women's side. We had five out of the seven world records broken in the squat this year. Uh, so we had fun Deckers in the 52 kilo category. Uh, break Susie Hart with Gary's previous world record with a 160 and a half kilo. Uh, squat, Maria Hattin set the world record with 178.5 kilos. Leah Bevois, 193 kilos. And uh, Angelina Lavakova of Russia, 203.5 kilos. So uh, remarkable lifting from all these ladies. But for me, Amanda Lawrence was uh, cream of the crop. I just wanted to check. And yeah, I, Amanda Lawrence is definitely would, was my runner-up there um, with what she had put forth on that. I mean, Amanda Lawrence, in terms of what she's doing with the squat, her potential is sky high. If she yeah. could put it all together in the SBD Invitational, sky's the limit. I mean, she keeps saying, look, I want a 600-pound squat. And ordinarily, previously, you'd be like, man, that's a pipe dream for, to hear from an 84-kilo lifter. From her, you believe it. You believe it's possible, especially at her age. It's not really a question of if. It's more a question of when when it comes to Amanda Lawrence. Um, I just wanted to check out Marianne because I know she had lifted a couple times, but it was in the 132-pound, uh, 56-kilo class when she's battling Steffi Cohen in the U.S. Open, a battle in which she had posted a 720 Wilkes. So she is my pick for the women's in terms of the squatter of the year. Absolutely crazy. 4.6 times body weight. Uh, um, I mean, for someone who's 132 pounds to be posting a 573 Pound, 260 kilo squat. I can't even wrap my head around. And in terms of the men's, um, I am going to go with the. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll let you go first, sir. So, Ryan, this is going to shock you. And uh -oh. I promise you, this is completely unbiased. Oh, whoa, wait, whoa. This is. This sir, is squat for the men's. Taylor Atwood. Uh, he hasn't missed a squat in. 
since 2015, since March of 2015, hasn't missed a squat in competition. 283 kilos at world for the, for the world record, and then 285 kilos on a bad groin, no less, at nationals uh, for a small PR. The most consistently excellent squatter uh, in the 74 kilo division for the entire year, and he's my pick. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go dip into the untested once again. Um, I know you don't follow the untested quite as much as is the IP yet, but I'm sure you've heard of Yuri Yuri Belkin, and what this gentleman's been doing in the untested division. I mean, he I, I was saying earlier about big dogs and um, and how that's the the premier division for the untested if you're a super heavyweight. My man squatted 420 kilo in wraps. Let me get that into freedom units for everybody. So 924 pounds in wraps, and he was only 104 kilo. Absolutely staggering that he could do this. Uh, and, and on top of that, look, at he took a bronze medal in big dogs against the all the super heavyweights in the untested division, despite only being 104 kilo, um, took boss of bosses, took tribute, Took the U.S. current open. I mean, in terms of the untested schedule, that's all. You know, I mean, he, he's just, in terms of what he's piecing together, but I have not seen a young man on either side have as an impressive squat showing as he did. And he also, by the way, that was only his opener in Big Dogs. He was hoping for more, didn't get it, but 420 when you're only a one of four kilo lifter, good enough for me, uh, tough for me to wrap my head around. I mean, he's also a young guy. We might see... In wraps, in wraps, I get it, but a thousand pound squat on a guy who's roughly 105 kilo, it's absolutely insane. So for myself, Yuri Belkin is the male squatter of the year. And uh, and yeah, I mean, look at Taylor. I see, I see. We mean we're you know at the U.S. Raw Nationals. You, Michael C had a hell of a squat. Um, I mean, all those 74 kilo boys had a hell of a squat, but. On the world scene, at the topest level, um, Taylor put it together when he needed it to. Russell Russell was getting close and looked like he was shaping up for it, but could, didn't put it together at the end of the day in terms of the U.S. Raw Nationals. Still waiting for that 700-pound squat in the 83-kilo class. It was either going to be Russell, it was either going to be Jamal Royster. Both of them, toe-to-toe, in training, had hit it in training, and, and it looked good for it. Um, but just never put together quite yet. Hopefully, in 2020, we see both those gentlemen hit a 700-pound squat. Again, it's not an if, it's a when proposition for these guys. I'm near, right, neck, right there. Russell, I believe, is about 10 pounds off officially in the platform. So it should be good for him. Um, but in terms of 2019, I got Yuri Belkin. Moving along to the biggest bench, and I don't think this is going to be too many surprises. It was my 2018 bencher of the year. He's going to be my 2019 bencher of the year. Untested, super heavyweight, Julius Maddox, whom first at Boss of Bosses bench pressed 335.5 kilo, which is 738 pounds. Now that beat Kirill's bench press record. In 2018, when Julius Maddox was on a fast rise, had him on the podcast. He's got a phenomenal story um, coming from the inner city. I mean, some of the stories he had, he's been there. You know, he's been tried, tested, 
and turned his life around. Um, he was in prison, had one of those moments where he's like, this is now my life. This, this, isn't, this is where I'm supposed to go. His daughter came and visited him. And through the visitation glass, he's seen his daughter raise her hand to try to touch him. And the divider glass in the prison stopped. And she couldn't reach him. And she said that was like one of those moments where he's like, I got to change my life. You know, this is, this is, this is too much, man. It was one of the, he went back to his cell. This is a big 400 pound man. Broke down, got on his knees and broke down right there and said, I'm rededicating my life to something positive. Started lifting weights. Well, he's always lifting weights, but he started heavily hitting weights, invested into powerlifting, um, and ended up becoming what he did in 2018, hitting 700 pounds and started visiting public schools, visiting kids, visiting adults, telling them how to turn their life around, becoming a positive influence in his community instead of a negative influence in his community and seeing everybody. I just see like a thousand people show up at a school to hear him talk. And, um, and when he hit a 700 pounds and he was the biggest bench presser on this side of the world, he was the biggest bench presser active, but not of all time. There was still Kirill. Kirill hadn't bench pressed in competition in quite some time. But the ghost of Kirill, the shadow that Kirill had overlaid on the powerlifting community, it was tough, man. It was tough to come up in it. And I remember posting and saying, can Julius Maddox take that bench press world record? It'd be a hell of a story if he could. I remember having him on on the podcast, hearing a story and thinking, my God, man, it's, it's such a, a feel-good story. If he could do it, I mean, that's the type of documentary, that's the type of stuff you, you see in a Netflix documentary. But I remember thinking, like, man, that's a big ask. Asking people, and they're like, the way 700 moved, another damn near 40 pounds on that? I don't think so. But, but good for him, because he's doing well. 2019 rolls around. First, he hits it at Boss of Bosses. Bit of controversy. People, apparently, we didn't find out until afterwards, Boss of Bosses, which usually is a sanctioned meet, was non-sanctioned. What are we talking about here? Did he hit it unofficially? Is it official? Is it, what is it? There were judges. There were spotters. There was a crowd. There was, a, there was a, you know, calibration plates. Everything but a federation taking the money. It's untested. So it's not like without sanctioning, there, there, was no te- there was no testing anyways. So what's the difference? I've seen, I've seen tested meets in the untested division that, you know, some of these federations don't get me started. So what's the difference? What are we talking about here? There was, there was still some doubt. Just like any good movie, my man Julius Maddox is like, all right, let's give it one more go. Ended up hitting one more competition. And then, then of course, besting, even when he did at Boss Bosses and, um, and hitting that, 337.5 kilo, 742.5 pounds, absolutely ridiculous. And um, I had him on the podcast afterwards, and my man is now telling me, look it, everybody said when I hit 700, I'd never get this far. I'm telling you right now, I want 800. Eight fucking hundred, Jason. Wrap your head around that, my friend. 800 pounds. And in 2018, when he, when he hit 700 and said, I got 40 more, 42 and a half, 45 more pounds in me. I'm going to take the world record. People are like, I don't know about that. Not the way 700's moving. And I was doubting myself. I doubted my heart. Now, let me tell you something. Coming into 2020, I wouldn't be surprised if he's got 800 in his hands and at least takes a stab at it. So anyways, venture of the year for myself, Julius Maddox, 
Not only is he the all-time biggest bench press we'd ever seen a human do, which to me alone is, is good enough, but um, absolutely phenomenal story about a guy who turns his life around and is actually giving back and an inspiration within his community. Uh, who you got, my friend? I know you, you, you're going to take someone on the IPF side, so uh, I'm glad I went one way. You can go the other. Who you got? Absolutely. I think there's none better in the IPF in 2019 when it comes to the bench press than uh, Joseph Amendola of USA. 263 kilos national record in the 105 division at USAPL Nationals. For perspective, that's 33 and a half kilos above the current world record. Holy smokes! That, that division. Uh, and he's not just a bench-only guy. He had an 887 and a half kilo total at Nationals as well. He's young, and he's coming in that division. So he'll be one to watch in 2020 and beyond. 30 kilos over the world record in a bench press. Yeah. That's absolutely ridiculous. Why did, This guy's got to hit an international competition and make that official. Yeah. And I, I want to give an honorable mention to Owen Hubbard, who I think had a great year on the bench press as well. Uh, Owen capped his year of uh, competition off with uh, reclaiming his world record on the bench press over Brett Gibbs. Uh, with 218 and a half kilos at the European Championship. Owen was absolutely clutch on the bench press uh, when he needed uh, his third attempt because his second attempt it got scratched. Or not scratched, sorry. His second attempt, he got called for a re-rack due to soft elbows. Owen came out with the same weight on his third attempt at Worlds, hit it, retained his world record, and won first in that discipline. And then at the Europeans, he needed every kilo on his bench press because he wasn't going to have the benefit of last pull in this competition. And there were a lot of great deadlifters chasing his title. Uh, but Owen was able to come out, break new ground, and uh, put up enough that he could win it in the end. So uh, congratulations to Owen as well. Honorable mention to Eddie Berkland, who was a 66-kilo lifter in bench only at Bench Press Worlds, 221 kilos. Absolutely unthinkable. Yeah, yeah. For a 66-kilo lifter, who's a junior? A 66-kilo junior. I mean, if you see him in real life, I see him in Sweden. He's a little dude. He is a little dude who's a junior, and he's posting up numbers that can rival into the 83-kilo. Like, he can hang and, and medal at the World Championship. It's at the 83-kilo level of the bench press. It's absolutely ridiculous what Eddie Bergman could do in the bench press. Um, uh, yeah, when you were saying at the world chain or sorry, the European championships, he needed every last kilo on that bench press because there were some big deadlifters coming. Yeah, man, the world deadlift record actually fell. So yeah. no kidding in terms of, and, and the guy who was actually fighting him for that gold was holding the deadlift world record until the European championships, um, Carlson from Sweden. So yeah, 100%. He needed every last kilo. And when he got that world record bench press and took it from Brett, he was quick to shout that out to Brett because him yeah. and Brett are bench rivals. Um, so I know Brett's going to come back and want to take that back. I mean, so, Brett just benched 500. So. In the gym. In the gym, yeah. unofficially. But, yeah, it looks it looks good. We'll see what happens at the SPD Invitational. Yeah. Uh, so for the women's side, and she is probably going to be my pick until she's 175 years old. 
I'm going to take uh, the GOAT, Jennifer Thompson, who, 46 years old, once again, world champion in the bench only. Um, I mean, she could, she's had obviously hip injuries, etc. Couldn't make it in a three lift to defend her title at the world championships. But can the woman bench press hit um, this year alone 140 kilo, which is 308 pounds, hit 142 and a half kilo, which is 313.5 pounds. And she's a 63 kilo woman who's 46 years old. How many women, well into their middle age, who are only 63 kilo, are pushing the kind of weight that she's pushing? Again, adding yet another world championship to her record. I mean, her resume is absolutely ridiculous at this point. When you're looking at the world titles and national titles she's racking up, whether it's three lift or bench, Absolutely ridiculous what she's doing. She's a goat. She's the greatest bench presser we've ever seen. Uh, man or woman. Um, with all due respect to Julius Maddox. I mean, my man Julius Maddox has only been doing this at the top level like that. This is his first year breaking a world record. So we'll see what he could do. But uh, that's got to be my pick for the women's. Who do you got, sir? So in this category, I tried to keep it to uh, three lift competition. Of course, I'm not going to argue that Jen Thompson is the greatest women's bench presser of all time. Uh, how far she is above the rest of the class in that lift and how long she has been in that position is absolutely incredible. And you couldn't really accomplish any more in a powerlifting career than she has. So uh, she's to go for sure. But I'm going to go with Donna Berglund of uh, Sweden in the 57-kilo category world record holder with 120 and a half kilo bench press. Uh, and I want to give an honorable mention to Megan Scanlon, who was previously the best we had ever seen in that weight class on bench press with 115 and a half kilos. And I also want to give an honorable mention to Daniela Mello, who's got that incredible bench press in the 84 kilo division with her 137 kilo world record in Sweden. Gara also has an absolutely phenomenal bench press. Um, from Italy, the current reigning world champion, 63 kilo. Unfortunately, what Jen Thompson's done to the bench press world record in that weight class, good luck. <laughs> good luck taking that. But Gara does have a phenomenal. And you know what? And if you're wondering, Berglund is the, the sister of Eddie Berglund. They got a freaking crazy bench genetics. I mean, yes. I don't know how their parents brought them up practicing that bench arch and throwing a barbell in their hands, but obviously something's working. Um, yeah, good picks, my friend. I'm glad because both of my benchers are from the bench only, and I got someone from the untested. And if you're focusing on the three lifts, we kind of spread it out a little bit and more people get shout-outs. Let's move. Let's keep moving. Go to the deadlifts. And uh, for myself, I'm going to stay in the untested division, and I'm going to pick Kaylor Woolham who this year has deadlifted um, 431 pounds. He did that in April. And then 432.5 in record breakers later on, breaking his all-time deadlift world record later on, as well as, and no doubt because of that massive deadlift, he added on the total world record for the 100-kilo class, which was previously held by Kevin Oak, Oaks and uh, Kevin Bullum. It's a 100-kilo class. I mean, he is not 220 pounds. 
He weighs in roughly around 215-ish, so he's a small 100 kilo, but when you got a deadlift, 432.5 kilo, 953 pounds, the guy is an absolutely phenomenal deadlifter, um, the best I've seen in 2019 and 2020, God knows what he's capable of. I think he even wants to add more records. I know when we had him on the podcast, his goal, three records, three different weight classes, etc. The guy's an absolutely phenomenal puller. And when you have a deadlift as big as that, yeah, total records are going to fall. The only problem with him, if you're going after total records, you're going to have to deal with Yuri Belkin. And we know how that usually ends up. But nonetheless, so Caleb Willem, from the U.S. Um, is my male deadlifter of the year. And for the women's, I'll say in a second, but I'll let you go first with your male. Yeah, on the IPF side of the action, I have to go with Derek Eng of Canada, who in the 59-kilo division at Worlds was the first man ever to out-deadlift Sergei Fedotenko. Previously, Eric Kupperstein of the USA held the deadlift world record but since then, in 2012, Sergey has held on to that, and we saw his reign as the king of the division in the deadlift and this year. When Derek showed up and smoked 275 at Worlds, I think that's a pretty amazing uh, accomplishment when you consider that Sergey had been the best deadlifter in that class for seven years. Um, so congratulations to Derek, and I want to give an honorable mention to Cheeto Noli of Norway, who just rounded off the year by uh, getting the world record in the 83 kilo division with his 330 and a half kilo pull. He's still a junior, and that division deadlift is really heating up. So it's going to be exciting to see where it goes in 2020. Listen, I'd be with you on Cheeto Noli. Um, I watched in in Sweden when he won the 83 kilo junior world championships. With a monster deadlift. Came down to the last deadlift. He had to load the bar for the win. And, and it was, man, it was one of those 50-50 shots. Like, I don't know if he's got it in him. Smashed a monster deadlift. And won the 83 kilo junior. For the European Championship, despite still being a junior, being the reigning world champion junior out of Norway, decided, I'm going to swing with the big boys, go into the open, and took the open world deadlift record and I like it but I'm not going to give it to him because that is my man Caffrey's record that he wants okay Caffrey who's the co-host here um broke the world record himself and uh, it's that freaking 83 kilo deadlift world record in the open it's being tossed around like a volleyball and my man Caffrey dead deadly wants it but, um, yeah, man, Cheeto Noli's one hell of it, especially at his age, what he's doing. Um, a phenomenal, phenomenal deadlifter. Yeah. For the women's side, it's not always numbers for me. Numbers are big. But it's not always numbers. It's also significance. Okay? So, when we talk about, for instance, you know, there's, there's how big of a spread you are from the rest of a pack. That shows a bit of perspective. Oh, Wow. Your deadlift, your bench, your squat is so much more than the rest of the pack. You're my pick for the biggest squatter, deadlift, or bench presser of the year, etc. Sometimes that's the case. Just because your, your lift is so much more than the rest of the pack, it's got to be you. But sometimes, I like to pick 
because your squat deadlift etc comes through on the most significant times at the most significant levels and has become almost like the sword of Excalibur when you wield it that when you pull that out it's like you're destined to win and when Kimberly Walford loaded up her third deadlift at the IPF World Championships and was facing what she was facing in combat and in terms of competition she was wielding the sword of Excalibur and I shit you not my friend I think you could have loaded the bar with any weight and she was going to hit it that's why for me it's not all about weight sometimes when I pick these because she could have went heavier you'd be crazy to load up heavier than you need for the win you load up yeah. what you need for the win she did exactly that but trust me when I tell you, if you loaded up more and she needed it, she would have kept going. She was destined to win that. You could tell by the way she pulled it. There was no quit in her. Kimberly Walford at 41 years old, winning and beating back all of these young, strong women. What, what do you like? Do you want the young juniors on the way up? Do you like the established veterans like in Rosa Castellane? The whole field showed up that day. That's who Kimberly Walford had to face. Yeah. And loaded up the bar and hit it in a massive, the biggest deadlift we'd ever seen a woman her age hit. And, and, and won the 72 kilo world championships. That's why she's my pick for the female deadlifter of the year. Who you got, my friend? I'm right, I'm right there with you. When the uh, third attempt was getting loaded up with Kim Walford, she proved time and time again why she's the champion and why she's the greatest to ever do it on the women's side of the action. Um, I just want to give an honorable mention to Sam Calhoun, 226 kilo national record, an unofficial world record at Juan Nationals. Melissa Barber, 207 and a half kilos and an unofficial world record in the 57 kilo division at Juan Nationals. Joy Namani, who set a world record with 205 kilos in the 57 kilo division. Of course, she's from Great Britain. And also Amanda Lawrence, who's not just a squat specialist, she's also a great deadlifter. 252 and a half kilo world record. It's only a matter of time before she's pulling 600. I agree. Um, Amanda Lawrence, I'll get to that in a second when we just kind of reflect on, if we got time at the end of this, we'll reflect on just some of the moments. Um, and we could talk about it, but so I won't dwell on Amanda Lawrence's lap deadlift because that's one of my moments. Okay, sir. Um, let's. So we're done. We done all the threes. Let's go straight to our male and female lifters of the year. I have men's tested and untested, women's tested and untested lifters of the year, and um, you're only going to stick to the IPF. Tested side. You want me to go first? Go ahead. Ladies first or men's first? Uh, we'll do women. Ah, the women. Always a gentleman, this guy, huh? Okay. Okay, gentle sir. For the women's tested division, 2019 lifter of the year. The greatest powerlifter of all time, Kimberly Walford. I know I've been saying her name a lot, but listen to me. When you come back 
And everybody in the mother's like, nah, the queen can't come back, man. She's had her day. That's what it is. Father time is undefeated. She's 41 years old, and the rest of the world is caught up to her. When she comes back, she, there's no way she's going to be able to take the title back like this. At 41 years old, yes, believe. The queen still reigns, long live the queen. For me, uh, broke three world records, took the total world record. It's the, it was, at the time, now that world record we said was broken since, but the single greatest 72 kilo performance, and she needed it. On the day that she needed it, she had it at 41 years old. Great comeback story, massive deadlift. Kimberly Walford is the 2019 pick for the Women's Lifter of the Year. And I'll give my untested as well before you jump in with your pick. In terms of the 2019 Lifter of the Year, I think for myself, once again, it's got to be Whoever wins the biggest showdown and shows up when needed, and it's Mariana Casper Ryan, what she did at the current U.S. Open, everyone thought she's going to be a weight class above Steffi Cohen, and we were going to have to break out our Wilkes calculators to see who's the better lifter, and it's, it's shit. When you're watching it for sport, you need head-to-head. I don't want to break out a calculator to see how you're doing. I want you go, then I go. You go, then I go. Like a volleyball, we pass it back and forth. Like a tennis game, it goes back and forth. It's easier to see who's ahead. She decided, let's give the people what we want, what everybody wants, cut the weight in a drastic cut, nailed it, and went head-to-head with Powerlifting's biggest star in Steffi Cohen, and they put on a fucking phenomenal showing. Leading into the U.S., Open, we had Steffi Cohen on here, and I asked Steffi, what do you think is going to be the winning Wilkes? Because at the time, keep in mind, when I had Steffi Cohen on the show, we thought we'd have to break out the calculators, and it wouldn't be on total. And I said, what Wilkes do you think is going to win the U.S. Open, win the big check, and win the biggest prize in the untested calendar? Steffi Cohen said, I know it's crazy, but I think a 700 Wilkes is going to be needed to win this. Steffi Cohen hit 698, basically 700. Still wasn't enough. And I remember when she said 700, I thought, Steffi, that's absolutely, that's crazy. This is insane if we're talking about 700. She goes, I think that's what it is. I think that's what I need to bring. And I think that should be good. And I'm like, well, look, if you could post 700, I think you're right. Nobody would have thought, except for Marianne Casper Ryan, 720 wills. Absolutely ridiculous. Heart goes out to Steffi Cohen. Um, I mean, it seems to always happen. Last year at the U.S. Open, biggest competition, the untested, and she hit the biggest Wilkes of all time, and then when the CC do, comes along and breaks the biggest Wilkes of all time. This year, untested, Steffi Cohen hits the biggest Wilkes of all time. What does Mariana do? Breaks the, the Wilkes record, biggest Wilkes of all time. Steffi Cohen keeps establishing herself with the biggest Wilkes of all time, and then in the same competition, someone else bests it. Timing is everything, Steffi. Hang in there. Your time is coming clearly. But for myself, 2019, not only does she have the greatest Wilkes we've ever seen in the untested, but a head-to-head showdown, which does not happen enough in the untested. It kills me that there's so many federations, so many different competitions, and not one single 
competition has established themselves like the IPF worlds on the tested side. So we can't see those showdowns if we want. Finally happened between these two. She won it. Obvious pick for myself. Congratulations, Mariana Kasparayan. So on the uh, tested side of the action, for my uh, best women's lifter of 2019, I had to do this on the merits of how competitive the 84 kilo class was at Worlds. And Amanda Lawrence, right? Yeah, just pause, my friend. Unless that was a dramatic pause. Okay, my friends, so you were just saying how um, Amanda Lawrence was your pick. That's all we got. Oh, Turkey, you just paused again. Can you hear us? Okay, you can. I can see you now. Yeah, we're good to go. I apologize for the technical difficulties. No worries. So Amanda Lawrence is your pick, sir. Why did you pick Amanda Lawrence? I had to go on the merits of how competitive that weight class was at world. It came down to the very end. It fit so far above both Danielle Mel and Amanda Lawrence are so far above the rest of that class. I think that really shows how excellent both of them are in terms of their performances. Uh, she's got to be my pick based on that alone. Uh, and I've got to give honorable mention to her opponent, Danielle Mello. And of course, uh, within a historical context, I don't think you can argue against the year that Kim Walford had. Uh, and I also, I grappled with this one uh, because Maria Hattie was right up there with me. Uh, wins nationals as a 63 kilo competitor here in Canada. Cuts down a weight class for Worlds. Beats the greatest 57 kilo performance we had ever seen on our final deadlift. Uh, and then further, some of her world records to more in St. John's at the Commonwealth World Championship, or the Commonwealth Championship, sorry. Um, so I really grappled with lifting Maria here. But for me, Amanda is uh, the best lifter on the women's side. Here's nothing about Amanda Lawrence. Um, so yeah, if you like, and, and you know I do, I like numbers, that's good. But I want to see significance. I want to see you in a showdown. You have to battle. It's, it's, it's. It's not easy, but much easier, believe me, to show up to a competition, post up numbers when nobody's pushing you, when you can be comfortable. What do you want for your opener? What do you want for your second? What do you want for your third? On all of the lifts, nobody's here pushing you. Show up with another killer who's, who's nipping at your heels toe-to-toe -to -toe with you. And it's Daniela Mello. Who's, and what those ladies did in the 84-kilo class, they're putting up numbers we never thought capable. I mean, it's just yeah. phenomenal. They're so far ahead. Um, couple that with the fact Amanda Lawrence also capped off the year. She was the best lifter at the IPF World Championship. So she is the champion of champions in the IPF. So absolutely, if you're, if you're picking, um, I could, I could 100% be argued for Amanda Lawrence as well. Looking over at the men, sir. And you pause here on us. Are you, are you, can you hear us? Are you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. All right, going to the men's. For the untested, uh, basically for the reasons I had already said, but I'm going with Yuri Belkin. What this young man had done, I mean, look at, at Big Dogs, as basically he's 104 kilo, posting up 1,000, 
70 kilo total, winning a bronze medal against all of the super heavyweights. If you're an IPF lifter, it's hard to even find a comparison. If you picture a guy like Bryce Lewis walking in there and swinging with the big boys like that in the super heavyweight class, I mean, it's just, it's hard to even wrap your head around. You know, and he's and he's meddling at a competition like that. Some of his numbers, I mean, in terms of the uh, the current U.S. Open, even when he posted a ten forty five, he's consistently posting over a thousand kilo total, and he's and he's roughly a hundred five kilo lifter. So for myself, I mean, they get no greater than Yuri Belkin in terms of being able to beat this guy. Man, he's a generational lifter. You know, he's one of those lifters. He would be. You know, the equivalent, I don't know if we have a guy on the IPS side that would be, you know, the equivalent where it's based off of the Wilkes formula. If you want to use that and you're trying to decide who's going to beat him, it's hard. I can't. It's almost like you're battling for second when Yuri shows up to the competition. He's showing up to collect the check and the best lifter award, and that's that. So for my male lifter of the year on the untested side, very difficult for me to imagine anybody best than Yuri Belkin. Whether you want to do a pound for pound or even if you want to open it up and say compare a guy that size to the heavyweights for him to be coming in bronze in the biggest super heavyweight showdown. Got to be Yuri. On the tested side, I don't know if you're familiar with this gentleman. Um, His name is Taylor Atwood. He's quite good. He uh, obviously, he is the champion of champions in terms of the IPF. Not only winning the 74 kilo world championships, but best in guys like Brett Gibbs, Russell Orhe, and every other champion the IPF produced. A favorite going into the SB Invitational. We'll see if he can retain that title. Certainly the SBD Invitational is going to crown a king. Will he retain his crown? We'll see. But in 2019, there was no SBD Invitational, and in my mind's eye, there was no greater than Taylor Atwood. Nobody Knocked him off his perch. He's sitting on the throne. I love that the SBD Invitational is around. Because you have, in terms of the IPF World Championships, you're going to load the bar with what you think is going to win the Worlds. And then you have a Champion of Champions battle where it's a whole other ball game. You don't have to worry about the guy next to you. If you're a woman, you don't have to worry about the woman next to you in your weight class. Unless you're Brett and Russell. It's all the other champions you're trying to defeat. So we'll see what happens. But 2019, male lifter of the year, Taylor Atwood, what do you have, sir? Yeah. Um, again, it's it's kind of a, a thing to pick my own lifter, <laughs> uh, who, whom Ben Escrow and I coach. Uh, but I think Taylor Atwood had the uh, best year out of any uh, power lifter in the IPF. 790 and a half kilo total at Worlds to own him the uh, best lifter of the World Championship. And then 787 and a half kilos at US Raw Nationals. Uh, although it's unofficial and not really for anything, best lifter of the USAPL Raw Nationals, the most competitive one yet. Um, I grappled with this one because I, I can't get over an 100 kilos at 94.4 kilos body weight by Ashton Ruska. That's absolutely insane. Uh, and I also, I find what Russell Orhe did in all of 2019 absolutely remarkable. Uh, in particular, his performance at Worlds 
where he absolutely needed that squat and it got everything out of him. Uh, I found it was, it was clutch. It was exciting. It was awesome for the sport. And Russell had a great year as well. Uh, but I've got to go with Taylor. Look, let's talk about that for a second. Ashton, what Ashton did and what he's capable of doing, pound for pound, absolutely phenomenal. The numbers he's putting up at his body weight, absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely ridiculous. I got you. But this is sports. And to win athlete of the year, you got to produce in the championship rounds. You know, you, you got to, it's not just numbers end of the day. You got to win the games. You know, if otherwise, there's no sense showing up on the competition. Let's just all stay in our hometown and just put forth our nomination and whoever has the highest nomination we crown. But that's kind of the four, the, the whole, everything falls apart that happens. There's no actual sport. You need to show up and play the game. Otherwise, what are we watching? Everyone has to show up at the same time, the same day, use the same platform with the same judges, and then we rumble. Young old, rumble, young man, rumble. It's, that's really how it's done. That's how sports are done. So Ashton has all the potential in the world. I so hope. He's, he's the number one alternate for the U.S. team in it's very likely, I'm not trying to jinx nothing, but very likely that he's going to be at the World Championships. If he does, the 105 in Ashton Ruska has Team USA across his chest and hits that platform, it will be absolutely crazy. It could Then he will have set himself up, this is my cumulative moment. I'm going to go for that big win. He's won the U.S. Raw Nationals, which is a phenomenal win before. He can win the big one, but they get no bigger than the World Championships. You know, that's when the whole world shows up. And he'll have the opportunity to not only win the big one, but, I mean, he'll he'll actually be able to grow into the 105s a little bit. You had already pointed out, he's he's even a small 93. I know 93s that are big. I know 93s that cut more weight and make 93. He's a small 93. I don't, so here's the thing. He's not going to gain, he's going to gain some muscle, but the guy is a walking muscle, right? The yeah. guy is like a little boulder of muscle. He could gain a little bit of body fat. I don't think he's going to come in and lose his abs, but a little bit more body fat. He's not going to get chunky. He's not going to be, a, he's not going to be turned into a chunky boy. He's not going to show up and be like, who's this dude? But he could get, I, I was talking to him um, on, on private messages there. And he said, he'll, he could get around 220 range. He could get around 100 kilo at least. He's going he's gonna to give up size, but it won't be as much size. You're going to need that. I mean, size greatly helps in the squat and the bench press. Maybe not yeah. always as much in the deadlift, and his deadlift might stay the same. But, man, it doesn't, it's not going to take much. He's, he's, he's very capable. So we'll see. We'll see. But in terms of picking, you know, lifter of the year, you can't really win that title if someone says, what championships did you win? Did you, sure. win did you win nationals? Did you win worlds? Did you win? And you can't say, well, I actually, I didn't win any of them. But for my body weight, I lifted a lot of weight. People, you got to win some titles, at least in the IPF. If you're in the untested, it's a little different because it's tough sometimes to show up at competitions and have other people show up. It's kind of luck of the draw. Someone else in your weight class shows up who's any good, and we got yourselves a battle. But in the IPF, you know where the battles are at. 
If you're from the U.S., U.S. Raw Nationals, and he's looking for the battles, but you got to win them. You got to pull them off. So um, I realize you're Taylor. I was coach, but it's kind of the way to go to pick Taylor. You might have been able to swing Russell's way, but I think Taylor, especially being champion of champions, it helps tilt it anyways. But but Russell is Russell be a solid pick as well. There's definitely some other nominations up there. And I, I think uh, as far as Russell is concerned, he's who I had for biggest performance of the year. Absolutely unstoppable when he showed up in Sweden. 833 kilos to confirm Brett Gibbs as the world champion. Uh, it was a remarkable meet, and I gave Taylor honorable mention at the world championship in that category as well. So um, we saw some great lifting, and uh, there's no wrong answers here. We had so many uh, talented and unprecedented performances this year, and uh, what a great year to be a fan of powerlifting. Yeah, if we have if we have some moments, like we got a little bit of time before seven o'clock, and I wanted to, and you just basically segued us to it, so let's step in for some moments of um, 2019. If we're looking back, 100% what Russell did, he had a coming of age moment where we all knew there was tons of hype, tons of sizzle, but we wanted to know if there was substance. And I see that. Look, I get it. He's a U.S. national champion. And, and certainly a world talent in terms of being world-class, unquestionably world-class. I mean, he had broken a squat world record, but then it fell after that. We wanted to see, could he become a world champion and equal that sizzle with that substance? And that's a big ask because there's a whole lot of sizzle with a guy like Brett, or sorry, a guy like Russell. <coughs> Freudian slip there, I guess. But look, Russell's got that social media. He's a phenomenal. If you heard him on the podcast, we had him on several times. He's a great personality, a great interview. He's that guy that can carry the sport. He can walk onto the podcast, be funny, be personable, um, but at the same time, get serious when he's talking about his competition, when he says he's going to do something, you believe it. And then afterwards, be humble enough to say, look, I'll eat my humble pie. When he was at U.S. Raw Nationals and almost bombed out, he's like, oh, man, I said I was going to come on the podcast after U.S. Raw Nationals. I'll still come on. In all face of doubters and everybody can say everything they want to say, all the naysayers. He had the coming of age moment at the World Championships. And the performance he put together with over a 10 times body weight, um, breaking the world records in squat, breaking a world record in total, unseating a world champion like Brett who's established like that. He had to fly halfway across the world to do it. I mean, uh, he, he had a phenomenal showing and he lived up to the hype. So, yeah, that, that was definitely one of the moments for 2019 for myself. I wanted to talk about the battle of the 84s and just how special that was. Daniela Mello and Amanda Lawrence, right down to the very last deadlift. These ladies from the squat event back and forth and um, Amanda Lawrence missing her last squat and Daniela Mello hitting her third squat, entering into the bench press. Daniela Mello catching up, going Three for three in the bench press. And now we're neck and neck in the deadlifts because Amanda Lawrence missed her third squat. Oh my God. And then right down to the very last deadlift. How dramatic do you want it? Both women, same weight loaded on the bar. One hits, one misses. Same total on the end. Winning on body weight. I mean, you could, you could if you were writing a script 
and this was a Disney movie, I'd stop you and say you're getting a little too cheesy because it's getting a little too dramatic. You know, right down to very same deadlift, same total, comes down to, and they're, no, this is even better. They're teammates on Team USA. And it's like, man, it's, it's you know, but it was perfect. It was perfect in terms of a showdown. They complemented each other perfectly. Um, so I hope, I don't know if Daniela Mello is staying 84. She's been flirting with the idea of 72. If she's fully committed, who knows? Half and half, right? It'd be a shame if she left because I would like to spoil us and just see them battle it out several times over in the future. However, um, I mean, look, if she's like, yeah, I get it, guys, but I gave you a couple good battles, then that's where we got to part ways because I think I want to move to 72. It is what it is. But um, that was one of the moments for me in terms of 2019. Um, another showdown, obviously, look, not just because I'm Canadian, but what Maria T did in Sweden, we had never had an open world champion, which she missed that second deadlift. And then you look over like, oh my God, they're pulling for the gold medal regardless and they're going up in, in weight. It was, <laughs> it was, it, to say it was gutsy, it, it, was, it was not just the deadlift, but the it, she was overextending and pushing herself beyond anything we'd ever seen any 57 kilo lifter ever do in a day. You know, it was a, a massive, it wasn't just a big ask, it was a massive ask. And she would have to best the biggest performance we'd ever seen any 57 kilo lifter ever, ever do. The Americans were probably all but celebrating. Gaston Parage was probably getting that gold medal out. And the DJ was probably cueing the American national anthem when Marie T went back out to take a weight on heavier than what she had just failed at. And she failed on strength. Wasn't a technicality. Wasn't a misgroup. It was on strength. And she failed it. Came out and pulled heavier and got it. To say that was a moment? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a moment. It was a powerlifting moment. It's just icing on the cake that she was the very first Canadian to ever win an open world championship, and that's how she does it. It's just icing on the cake when you find out in previous world championships, when she was a favorite to win, she bombed on deadlifts. And that came down to the last deadlift. So it's also a comeback story of sorts. You know, it's it's all just ice. When you actually follow Maria T's story, it just makes it sweeter. Um, yeah. And she could be a nicer person. So that was definitely a moment for me. And uh, obviously, we are, I, I already said, and now I'm happy by this amount, Kimberly Walford and all of the 72s, though, not just Kimberly Walford, but with those 72s put together in Sweden, you know, Jessica Bittner, and Isabella von Weisenberg, obviously meddling as well, and Anna Rosa Castellane. And I mean, it was a phenomenal show showing the 74s in the U.S. Raw Nationals. Talk about a coming out party for everybody involved there. I mean, those fellas, not even, like, just leading up to it, when I had them all on the pod, I had them all individually on the podcast, every single one of those podcasts were flying. In terms of the downloads, people were... Because the good personality go with it. It was, when they were on the podcast, when they were on the podcast individually, the downloads were nuts. When we had them on all together, then it was crazy. The amazing personalities. They knew how to hype it. They And they knew, like, look, this is going to be uncomfortable. These are all dudes we're going to be facing. But they knew, historically speaking, the 74s weren't that big, glamorous, sexy division. 83's got a lot of love. You know, the big fellas got a lot of love. The smaller the weight class, 
the harder it is in a strength sport to get the love that you think you would deserve. And they knew, look, we, we, we're going to have to try a little more. We're going to have to put on our PR hats and campaign a little bit. All of them were on board with it and said, let's do it. Let's blow this up a little bit. All of them came on the podcast. I don't know the views in terms of the stream, but I hope they were high. And they delivered. The drama that unfolded on the platform. Austin Perkins, the way that dude hit the platform and hit a deadlift and backed off, undid, unclasped his belt like, you know, he had it. The way Michael sees early charge in the squats and the bench press had everybody begging for more. Ended up getting injured, not being able to finish the day, but now just leaves everybody almost like a good story with a cliffhanger. Almost like it almost makes you more hungry to see more because it leaves that question mark. How far could Michael C have pushed it? And Austin Perkins, how far could he push it? 20 years old. And then you got Ricky Cho. Started off rough. Massive Ricky Cho, who by the time he deadlifts, is a weight class up. Starts off rough, missing a squat, missing a bench. Ends up finishing a day with the biggest deadlift we'd ever seen on the American side. With a 700-pound deadlift as a 74-kilo lifter. Um, and ends up on the podium taking a bronze medal. Um, a beautiful story for Ricky. And then you, you got your boy Taylor Atwood. The rain continues. Um, just his resume in terms of the U.S. Raw Nationals is getting ridiculous. You know, punching his ticket once again to, to represent the Team USA at the world championship level. Everybody, and you have all the way through, man. That's just the top end. That's just the top, you know, four or five guys. The 74 kilo class, I think you could go through the whole top 10. All world yeah. class lifters. They're all world-class lifters. They're all capable of breaking into the top five, every single one of them. Um, so the 74-kilo class for me watching that, were, were, you know, that was a moment for myself as well, just seeing a coming of age for a lot of those lifters. And in terms of any one class that, if you ask me, are you excited to watch, at least on the men's side, I would say the 74 kilos, man, especially the U.S. Raw Nationals, is going to be absolute bonkers. I mean, Taylor Atwood cannot sleep. So you guys got your your work cut out for you because they're coming. They come, they're coming from the SBD Invitational with what Brett is putting together. And I'm sure, Russell, to the World Championships, to the U.S. Raw Nationals, you fellas got a lot of work to do, man. I don't, you, God bless. You got, you got a lot of researching to do and, and talent to scout. We will do our very best. I know you will, buddy. I know you were. Uh, so it's 7 o'clock. Any, oh, I also wanted to say, um, in a, in a mill, Norland and the 105s have, have they collected themselves on an international level and all the Europeans actually. Some people told me in Sweden, you slept on a couple of the Europeans and you're going to be shocked when these world championships roll around. Obviously, several Europeans won the world titles, both juniors, opens across the board. And then again, several Europeans after the fact broke the world total records in, in the European championship. And taking the ball away from a lot of the American world champions. So, uh, yeah, I think the the emergence of so many talented individuals and lifters coming out of Europe was also a storyline for 2019 for for me. Anything you want yeah. to say before we let you go? So, a uh, European level in terms of being a, a non, it's not the world championship, but the level of competition that you see in that move from one to five. And some of those weight classes is even more than Worlds itself. So, uh, so happy to have uh, seen how much the success the last year of the championship was. Also happy to see uh, Inca producing a contender for the 
uh, SVD Invitational and Clinton Malini, uh, who smashed it at the Asian Championship three weeks back. Uh, I think powerlifting's in a, in a great sport. And I think uh, moving into 2020, um, who knows where we're going to end up. I will say, uh, just to end off, you were talking about the 74 kilo division, how all those guys had their coming out party. My one prediction for next year on the men's side is that we're going to see the 83 kilo division take off, like we have the 74s as well. Oh wow! I think that I think that process started when Taylor uh, ended up totaling more at the Grand Prix as a light 83 than Russ did later at the Pro American level up and we saw the 74 class level up to catch up and I think that we're going to see the 83 field class take it uh, far far ahead of where we are now uh, with m- multiple lifters working the other kilo total mark next year listen if what Brett did in the gym with 862.5 is any indication I think I think you might be right um, let me also say to one of those points you just made in terms of the European Championship and the type of lifting we saw take place at the European Championship. One of my pet fucking peeves, watching the American stream. Don't get ahead of yourselves. Commentator, slow down. I heard one of these cats saying, listen, winning U.S. Raw Nationals is oftentimes harder than winning the World Championships. Um, you know, almost all these these people, when they win the World Champion or the U.S. Raw Nationals, they go on and they win the World Championships. And it's, it's even easier, as a matter of fact, because it's harder competition at the U.S. Raw Nationals. Yes, sometimes. But it, it's, it's hit and miss because there are several world champions who are hailing out of Europe. And you just watch in the European Championships, they're posting totals higher than what we've seen at the U.S. Raw Nationals. Don't get a fucking headache. Slow down. Listen, like, I am proud of what the Americans are doing at U.S. Raw Nationals, but by no means winning a national title means that you're going to win a world title. We've seen it too many times. I don't want to, how many times has history got to repeat itself that people got to get humbled? You got to show up on the day. Proof is in the pudding, man. It kills me when I hear stuff like that. Big up what you're seeing on the platform. Know how to hype it. But also know your role and realize this is a national level event. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Because there's still, I mean, there's. it depends on what weight class we're talking about. So anyways, I had to throw that out there because, yeah, 100%. European championships produce some world class and world records fell. So listen yeah, a minute. great to see. It's great to see. Yeah. So thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate your time. You said we had you till 7 o'clock. It's 7 o'clock right now. I know you got a lot of work to do. you got a cabillion lifters underneath you that you're doing all this programming for. Um, congratulations uh, on the schooling and finishing up. Maybe indulge in a few cocktails. Do you drink cocktails, sir? No, I, I don't, actually. You don't? Oh, man, why am I not surprised? I had a feeling you might not. That's why I asked. I'm like, I don't know if he's a cocktail type of guy. Okay, have you ever drank cocktails before in your life? Of course I've had a cocktail. Oh, okay. At the World Championships, no, in SPD Invitational, if Taylor wins Champion of Champions Award and wins that huge check and probably slices you a piece of it for all your troubles throughout the years, will you have a cocktail? 
I think we'll be going for a nice cigar uh, with the coach. Oh, cigar, right? Fine. I'll, I'll have a cigar with you. All right. Sounds good, my man. Well, thank you for coming on. Much appreciated. You always come well-informed and add a lot to the episodes. And uh, until next time, my friend, we'll keep in touch. Thank you very much, and happy holidays to everyone listening. See you, buddy. Not a bad showing. I know some of you guys are probably going to be listening to this, watching this, however you're taking this in, and maybe you disagree. Maybe you disagree with some of my picks, some of Jason's picks. Let me know. Fire me some DMs. I'm down to debate in the DMs. I'm down to debate um, in the comment section. And I say that like, look, I don't take no hard feelings. It's sports. That's what people do in sports. You debate who's better, who would beat who. So let me know how you like the picks. I will make official picks and uh, send it out on social media platforms and tag all the lifters. Congratulations to everybody who had big showings in 2019. Not just the people that we picked. There seriously is, and I'm not just saying this as a cop-out. I can be argued so many different ways when it comes to making these picks. There really isn't any wrong answer. Some of these are so close, it's flip a coin. You really got to ask yourself, look, and I'm not going to take you know, the easy way out and just pick five different people for best squad or best lifter. Best. I'll pick one and give honorable mentions. But some of these races are so close, you could argue. Like in terms of Daniela Mello being... Female lifter of the year. I could totally, I could see it. I could see it. She had a great showing. You know, she won a world title, champion of champions award, and she had somebody staring across from her in, in that warm up room in Daniela Mello, who was a worthy adversary right down to the very last end. So, yeah, there's probably some of these picks are controversial even. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Until next time, six pack laughing.